0: This is Warbird Radio. And welcome to Warbird Radio. I'm Matt Jolly, the old uh, P-40 starting up there. Jason Capra is on the phone with me right now. He's headed into work. Jason Capra, the the guy that started Beach City Baby, the last time you were on Warbird Radio, the plane was in... uh, was in Beach City, Ohio, uh, with just covered in you know bird gun and uh, nasty paint, and now it's flying. So that's how fast a restoration happens when you're with Jason Capra. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> it just it just magically happens. The airplane, oh, yeah, the airplane's <laughs> up and running since your last episode. So no, it,
1: it, yeah. It feels like it was just the other day, but I guess it was a little over a couple of years ago, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, it was. It was just a couple of years ago. Well, you know, we—it's funny when when this thing happened and and the server, you know, disappeared overnight and all that stuff. We had all we have all of the shows. We have all the entire library of six hundred and some odd episodes. But yeah, so it's just a question of like sorting it all out. But we're back, and you're back, and flying. You were just in—you uh, were just in Pennsylvania. Uh, this past weekend, weren't you?
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, EAA fly-in over in Meadville, Pennsylvania, which is uh, not too far away from our our home airport in Franklin. So it was a, a pretty quick little flight. I think it was only about ten minutes, fifteen at the most. but uh, good good group of people over there at the EAA chapter um, in Meadville, and we are more than happy to help them out again.
0: What a cool story with your airplane. I mean, you guys and gals have done it the old-fashioned way. I mean, this is a bootstrap operation you drove past beach city baby before it was ever called at it At the time it was buckeye one i guess would be the closest And, and you're driving by you don't even know it's buckeye one you're just driving by you hear the rumors and you're like man somebody somebody ought to do something about this and i remember you'd start putting it out there you know on facebook and social media somebody ought to do something somebody and you keep getting that tap on the back of your shoulder and finally you say i guess that somebody's me (laughs)
1: yeah i i suppose that's exactly how it went i if you want to call it divine intervention um i i kept thinking of who's gonna care about this airplane and, and you know save it and uh i don't know i i just figured what the heck i i think i'm gonna have to be the person to do it and uh you know, I'm I'm really fortunate, Matt, that, uh, you know, I've known you for a while now, but I, I had the experience and exposure to flying and working on and operating, you know, Douglas Transports with uh, Tim Chope from the Berlin Airlift Historical Foundation. And, I mean, this was a huge step away from working there, but uh, I don't know. I just felt like uh, if I did it for the right reasons and, and just, you know, put it out there that uh, here's what I wanted to do and I'm trying to just genuinely save this airplane and, and operate it to tell its story um, that the right people would come along and, and make, make it all happen. And uh, they did. Not only
0: um, did they come along, but they've showed up in droves. I mean, you, you ran, which I think is just fantastic. You, you had one of the, if you look at the, the count, the number of people who donated, not the dollar amount, but the number of people uh, who donated to save that airplane, small donations, uh, you, you had an overwhelming response.
1: Yeah, it was, I, I've said this before and I'll say it again, it wasn't a lot by a few, but a few by a lot. Yeah. And and what I think is really cool about that is, you know, you want to pay homage to the greatest generation in the World War II generation and, and really highlight that how the whole country came together to win that war. I mean, we just re, re, recreated that 80 some years later with one airplane and that same spirit, that same... You know, you know, we can do it. Um, the Rosie the Riveters, you know, flexing the muscles. And just it was a lot of people who just cared and put their, their, their common effort together to save this airplane. And it's just amazing that 80 years later, that same drive, that same uh, playbook uh, came back into fruition to save this airplane.
0: And there it is now in a hangar, uh, your hangar at the airport with a small museum attached to it. And uh, you're, you're rolling it out there. I mean, this thing is, it's up and running. You're taking it to shows. You're taking it to events. And the best part of it is, is it's doing exactly what you wanted it to do, what this vision was uh, years ago when we first met you and you started coming on this show and talking about it. And I, I mean, I, my hat's off to you because this, is, this has cost you a lot personally.
1: Oh, yeah. Yes, it has. (laughs) Yes, it has. You, you know that more than anybody, um, just because we've talked so much over the last year or two. But, um, you know, it, it more than financial, it was just, you know, uh, physically, uh, the airplane just demands the organization demands a lot. And um, well, I'm going to
0: go there. I mean, this has been this is you, you you know, you, you were a young single guy. You had a you had a you had a stable girlfriend. You had you had your life in order, man. When I first met you, everything was ticking along, you know? Just tick, 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 tick. And then you fall in love with this dadgum airplane. The whole the whole thing blows up. And I mean, if you ever meet Jason uh in person and you're sitting down, you have to hear the whole story. Because I mean, there is some stuff that is bookworthy. worthy. Uh, I, I mean like unbelievably bookworthy in this story about some of the dirty little details. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it here, but it's it is bookworthy, my friend. I mean like
1: Well I I tell you <laughs> the you word
0: the word go around comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, you know <laughs> yeah. so, but anyway, I'm not gonna go there but I'm telling you, you gave a lot to get this going. Not not any not any more than, than what those men and women did who built these airplanes and who truly saved us. From an unbelievably bad history in this chapter that you're paying tribute to, but you've you've yep. given a lot to keep this thing
1: going. Yeah, and you know, honestly, I I wouldn't trade it for the world. It was, uh, you know, looking back at everything that's been accomplished in the people's lives that have been touched and the friendships that have fostered because of this this airplane, um, it was all worth it. And uh, like I said, no one no one said that this journey was going to be easy when I started down it, but I've, uh, there's one thing that, you know, I, I'm proud to boast about, I guess, if you will, is I, I just, I have work ethic and growing up where I did and how I did in Southwestern Pennsylvania, and, you know, a small coal mining and farming town and just a lot of blue collar, hardworking people quit was never a word that was instilled in my vocabulary. And a lot of the people that I grew up around, are just very hardworking, blue-collar individuals. So this was nothing different than chasing another dream that other people have pursued. It's just that, you know, Western Pennsylvania, you know, industrial, blue-collar work ethic, that if I work hard enough, anything's possible.
0: I bought a house. I was living in the Middle East, and one of your team members, who I had become friends with, Tim Nelson, happened to be in the area and this just this just tells you what kind of people you're working with. I said I haven't seen this house. I just bought it and I don't even know where the corners of the property are. Tim says, "Well, I'm I'm not far from there. I'll go by there tonight and I'll FaceTime you and I'll find the corner markers of the property." Tim was the first guy to sit on my porch, you know? So, you know, that's the that's the level that you guys uh bring to the table i mean if it had to be done if it was traipsing through the woods no matter what it was your team pulled it off and i want to talk about your team because you have some outstanding folks uh, who have been by your side every single step of the way
1: yeah i uh i tell you i i really couldn't do it without you know you remove any of them from the equation and i don't think this airplane is is where it is um You know Joe Matz. I've got a. I can't say enough about Joe. Joe's you know in his twenties, and um, he's my director of maintenance and my vice president. And uh, this guy drives from Cleveland, Ohio, to Franklin, which is about an hour and a half, hour and forty five minutes one way, every weekend to work on that airplane and to keep it flying. He's all like I said. He's he's in his mid to late twenties. And he is my director of maintenance and my my, uh, head maintenance officer on the airplane. I mean, he knows the airplane inside and out. I've got uh, a very good family friend and friend of mine. It was his dad since, you know, him and I have been best friends since second grade. And I've known his dad just as long. Well, his dad's, you know, A&P mechanic and an IA and, Without hesitation, uh, you know, Wayne signed up to be our aircraft inspector right. right at the start of the project. Put his name on everything. Just wow. how much he trusted in us, you know.
0: And every but, turn, I mean, it's been a, <laughs> as you know, with, with aircraft restoration, every turn in the road has, has had a potential disaster. I mean, from, hey, we got to pull the wing off. We got to do this inspection. We got to start looking at this stuff. We got we to do this or whatever it is. Here recently... Yeah. You know, you guys, you just got the airplane up and running, and then you started looking in the uh, in the empennage, and lo and behold, there's some corrosion. It, it's not passing muster, and so what do you do? You pull it yeah, apart. We,
1: <laughs> we, that was that was the most one of the more disheartening things that happened on the airplane. I was after all that work was done, um, you know. But again, it just goes to the thoroughness of the people that are working on it. We we did. We found some corrosion on the. Uh, attach angle for the horizontal stabilizer that had gone unnoticed before. And, uh, you know, the only solution was to either replace all the attach angles on that, which would have required building a a jig and and everything else to hold the, um, you know, the horizontals together and and structurally in the same, uh, you know, uh, construction that they're in right now and not, not disform them at all or try and find a new set. And luckily we were, we were able to procure a a brand new rebuilt set of horizontal stabilizers for a DC three. Um, and I mean, it was a no brainer that the cost was beyond reasonable and, uh, it saved us a lot of mostly time than anything, uh, having to rebuild the set that we had. So, uh, it was, it was a pretty, um, seamless switch. It just took some time, but, could you believe that an entire new set of horizontal stabilizers Matt, for a DC-3 built years apart fit like a glove on ours wow, just I to, believe it, just, yeah. to <laughs> <laughs> just to show you the ingenuity and precision that that these guys had when they built these airplanes 80 some years ago.
0: Guys and gals for sure. Yep. In Burbank and all over the place building the parts and doing the assembly. And, and talk to me about the young lady who was involved in that project. Was it was it one of John's daughters? Uh, it it was, was down yes. There? Because yeah, this is so, a great story.
1: So Sophia is uh, one of my um, mechanics, John Breichenbach. It's his daughter. Um, it's the oldest daughter. And uh, we, we we nicknamed her the long one. He's got two girls, one's short and younger, and the other one's taller and older. So we we just affectionately call him the short one and the tall one. Yeah. And, uh, and so, how old are they? ballpark. Uh, Sophia's probably 12 or 13. Right. And Morgan is, I think 10. There you go. A 10
0: year old and a 12 year old. And they're out there on the weekends with dad. Yep. Not only turning wrenches, but learning the story and the history. That's what's so incredible about this.
1: Absolutely. And Sophia, she, you know, whenever we need her to do something, she's right there learning how to do it. She always is asking, you know, Hey, is there anything I can do? What, what do you need me to do? And, uh, Like I said, she's not afraid to to put a wrench or a screwdriver in her hand and hop in the tightest place in that airplane (laughs) that none of us would think about going in. And she goes in there and puts her wrench on a bolt till we put a nut on the other side. And, and yeah, she's happy to stay in there. But uh, just, you know, it's it's little things like that that not only make the project possible, but just think about, you know, what impact that's going to have on her and who knows what road that's going to lead her down with her career choices or just, just life in general, you know. As time goes on, so I'm hoping that she stays involved as she gets older, and and um, you know can can show what what's possible when opportunities are given to people.
0: I think that's fantastic. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this with more from Jason Capra and Beach City Baby. Welcome back here to Warbird Radio. I'm Matt Jolly. We're talking to Jason Capra today from the Beach City Baby Project, Vintage Wings Incorporated. Uh, how can folks get involved with your organization, Jason, if they want to help you out? So, the
1: there. uh, yeah, there's a couple different ways. Um, and, again, there's opportunities for whatever way you want to help out. So, during the summer, it's kind of hard to keep up with us because the airplane is out flying a lot. And we kind of have our crew set um, for the summer air show schedule. But the weekends that the airplane isn't scheduled to be anywhere, we're normally up at our hangar, which is at 145 Hangar Drive in Franklin, Pennsylvania. And uh, we're there every Saturday for the most part. And our public hours when we are there is 10 to 4. Um, And again, it's just a donation to get into the museum. And all that, every penny goes towards helping keeping the airplane flying. And um, mostly during the winter when we're not out on the air show circuit, we're pretty much there every Saturday. Again, from 10 to to 4 is our public hours. But, again, we just request a donation to get in and see the airplane. If you do want to see the airplane out on the the road, if you go to our website, uh, which is www.vintagewingsinc.com, and click on Schedule, uh, you can see the airplane's itinerary for the summer. I think we have about four or five events left um, before the end of the season. Our last event will be our pancake breakfast flying that we do with the EAA chapter there in Franklin. That'll be in October, and that'll probably be the last event of the year for us before we have the airplane go down again for winter maintenance.
0: Now, you're not just showing up in the airplane. I mean, you show up and you set up some tents that are World War II vintage. Uh, you, You have a full ground display that travels with this airplane, and you're always running around. Uh, wearing a May West and uh, period uniforms, I mean, it's it. This is a a total immersive experience when you when you go see this aircraft.
1: That's correct. Yeah, we our crew for the most part is dressed exactly like a uh, air transport command or troop carrier C forty seven or C fifty three crew would have been in nineteen forty three nineteen forty four. Um, we do partner a lot with Baker company, which is out of Meadville, Pennsylvania. They are a hundred and first airborne reenactment group. So a lot of the local shows that we do, these guys set up their encampment right next to the airplane. So you get this full submersive, you know, D-Day Eve experience of what it was like being with the paratroopers and these DC threes and C-47s and C-53s. And again, our crew, you know, we've got guys dressed in flight period flight suits with, you know, everything on and, uh, our crew chiefs and, and, you know, uh, aircraft mechanics. And it's just a full submersive experience into getting to be around one of these airplanes 80 years ago. And, uh, it, like I said, I, I can't even begin to tell you how hot it is in some of these uniforms. Um, I, it just makes me wonder how in God's name, these guys wore this all the time back then. Well, they weren't day. running around <laughs> so, in
0: those uniforms in Pennsylvania in the summertime either. Pennsylvania to me is one of the hottest places on earth in the summertime.
1: It is pretty toasty, oh, especially with the humidity. Yeah. It, uh, it can it can get up there. Yeah, it but might be hot, but at least
0: it's humid, right? I mean, that's <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. it's a heck of a weight loss program, right. though, You know, I'll, yeah. I'll tell you. So,
0: no, but you're uh, you're doing it right. And the cool thing is, a lot of people will come up and will take a picture. And I know you share some of these on your on your social media sites. Is you know, can you tell which one is from the 1940s and which one's not? And a lot of the time it's pretty difficult to tell maybe Joe's beard or somebody's beard, will <laughs> give it away, but that's about it. I mean, really. And truly that's about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh. well, you know, we joke around with Joe about his beard and stuff and he just, he, he will not shave it off and I don't blame him, but it's kind of like, you know, we're afraid to have him actually do it because it's like Samson in the Bible. You know, if you cut the beard off, I don't know that he'll be as good of a mechanic as he was before. It's so it's all in the whiskers, right? That's go. right we we don't want to we don't want to take the chance. So. Any
0: breakthroughs on the history? There's there's some really narrow chances on on some really cool stuff that I know you've been trying to track down for years and years and years uh, that you've been working on this project. But uh, there there is a slim chance that your airplane had some incredibly distinguished visitors in its seats, uh, especially down in North Africa.
1: Yeah. We're still trying to a hundred percent confirm, uh, you know, the, the big names like Montgomery, which there's, you know, uh, records that he may have been on our aircraft touring North Africa with this crew, um, right after the invasion, before they went into Cairo and, and, uh, Sicily. And it, it's just, you know, my request and timing was everything too. I, Really started digging into that, that verification process right before COVID hit. And then it kind of was, as you well know, uh, with the government and stuff, it was hard getting anything back from anybody during that time. And I think it kind of slipped through the cracks. So I'm probably going to have to revisit that and open those doors again and try and get down there on my own uh, to the U.S. archives in Washington, D.C. That a lot of research that we did get on the airplane came from just the personal footwork of doing that. But, um, yeah, because the story
0: is that, you know, there were these C-53s, uh, a couple of them, if I remember correctly, uh, that were flying, you know, the big wigs around who were making the decisions about where to go and when to go. And your C-53 definitely was there in country at that time. And you know that it flew some of these missions.
1: That's correct. Yep.
0: You're just not sure who was on it. And
1: yeah, like I said, there, we do have a, one picture uh, where it looks like there was a USO tour um, that the airplane is clearly in the background with. And there's some, uh, at the time, you know, famous Hollywood personalities that are in front of the aircraft. But the In ones front that, of
0: your airplane, and that's been confirmed.
1: Correct, yep. The ones that I'm looking for, though, is is the ones that we've heard, you know, uh, the stories of Montgomery and um, even Patton possibly being on this aircraft and uh, there's, again, that story of MacArthur when it somehow ended up out in the Pacific that he was on the airplane. And I've heard two or three people that were very confident about that story, about MacArthur being on there. I just, I before we say yes, for sure that happened, I, I was trying to get some proof or verification via photos or records or log books. And, um, some of that stuff's just hard to find. But, um you know, just like anything else, we'll keep digging. And I'm sure some way somehow the uh, that that story uh, will present itself. And it's always the most random and and weird places that the the proof comes from. And uh, it's just neat how it kind of surfaces just by us going out and doing what we're doing.
0: well, and you've talked to the family of the of the crew in in large part, I know you have their support. Uh, yeah, you know, but I was digging through some stuff, some family papers the other day, and I found a uh, form 615, a mission form uh, that had the manifest on it and it had all this other stuff on it. Uh, so that stuff's out there. It's it's still floating around. You just n- literally never know where you're going to find it.
1: Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what's really cool too is, you know, we, we've we become very close with um, the families of the Captain uh, Jack Bartlett and the uh, radio operator, John Philatico. And the Philaticos and... Uh, Jack's daughter, Wendy Bartle. Um, they, they've been out to quite a few shows last year and they met us at Reading this year, uh, which was just awesome. And it's just so cool to, you know, to stand there and watch the, the, the children of the crew of our airplane take people on tours through it. And, and, you know, you can hear how proud they are when they say that's dad's seat right there. And that's where, that's where he sat. And, to be able to give those families that type of uh, closure and uh, source of pride in what their fathers did, you know that that's it's really just flattering and humbling that uh, we're able to do that. And I love when they come out and, and help us give tours and stuff. And again, the the connection of having the actual cruise children there giving tours of their dad's airplane and tying that, that the reaction that, that we get from the crowds when they learn that part of the story is just incredible.
0: And again, this is the World War II history
1: of this That's aircraft.
0: Correct. It had yep. a second life as Buckeye won. Uh, Governor Rhodes opened, I believe, a number of airports with this airplane when when he was going around the state of Ohio building airports. Uh, did I get that correct?
1: That is correct, yes. So, I mean,
0: um, Buckeye won the, the airplane for the state of Ohio.
1: Uh, Yep. Yeah. So after its tenure, you know, being a military aircraft, it did do a short stint with um, uh, Danish Airlines over in Europe and then somehow managed to, I think it was sold surplus by them. And it ended up down in Florida where it was converted to a corporate DC three, did a small stint with a company up in New York. And then in the early sixties was purchased by the state of Ohio and uh, became the state of Ohio's corporate airplane from essentially the early 60s till the early 80s. Yeah. And yet yeah, Governor James Rhodes, uh, who was a huge, huge proponent of general aviation, um, a opened
0: A mile of roads? What is the quote? They give us the quote. Uh, a mile of road yeah. will take you one mile, but a mile of runway will take you anywhere in the world or something
1: like that. That is correct. Yeah. Yep. There you go. And his goal was to make sure every county in the state of Ohio had an airport in it. And uh, this airplane, R D 3 was at the opening ceremony of close to 20, if not 30-some airports in the state of Ohio. Actually cut the ribbon at the opening yeah. ceremony, quite right. a few of them.
0: They just taxi right and, through it.
1: <laughs> yep, pretty much. And then uh, the other neat thing with, other than, you know, promoting aviation was, um, you know, this airplane was the corporate airplane for the state of Ohio in the 60s, so you know, when, when native Ohio and John Glenn came back from outer space, uh, he toured around the state of Ohio promoting NASA in our three with, with this, with the governor. So, I mean, how much more aviation history do you want in one airplane? Yeah.
0: So worthy of being saved. And to look at the pictures of it from when you, you know, first laid eyes on it uh, to where it's at today, Jason, it is a remarkable journey. So, congratulations on, uh, Well, thank to you God. and your crew, it's, man.
1: This is just the, you know, God willing, this is just the beginning chapter of a long book. And, um, and even, even when I'm no longer a, a player in this, I'm, I'm hoping that the airplane and the organization are in a position that, you know, even without me being a part of it, this story and this mission can continue. That's, that's my goal is, for this to, to go on and, and be passed down to the next generation of aviators and historians. And I, I feel like I, we're doing a good job of, of fostering that with some of our younger members. Um, but you know, it just, it, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of commitment and time to keep something like this going. And I just hope that, uh, that, that passion resonates in and someone else that's out there that wants to uh, carry the torch on when I can't do it anymore. Amen.
0: Well, it's great stuff you're doing and you, you certainly are doing it well. Again, if you want to help out with vintage wings, uh, you can hear Jason is now at his day job uh, where he's not <laughs> yes. taking, he's not taking a salary. There's there's no salaried employees down there at vintage wings. Like you said, everything goes to keep the airplane running. Uh, it's you correct. fly for a, uh, you don't fly for a major airline. You fly for, uh, a regional airline and you have been because they keep you at home and that's the best part of this so it's great i love it
1: so it's uh it's been a blessing in disguise like i said i um you know the ability to go out every weekend and do the air show circuit and be available to maintain and fly the aircraft um my my current job and my current employer have given me the the opportunity to make all this come to fruition. And I'm very grateful for that.
0: I think it's just fantastic. So y'all support them, help them out there with vintage wings. And look, if you're a keyboard warrior and you're sitting there poking around at night, help them out and let's uh, let's see if we can't solve this mystery uh, and, and come up with some, some actual proof uh, that uh, you know, can confirm the already amazing history of uh, of now as she's known Beach City Baby, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, Jason Capra, thanks for coming on Warbird Radio. Great to hear your voice Matt, again.
1: Thank you as always for all your support and help. And like I said, I I owe you a lot, and just for believing in us from day one. This organization and this airplane, uh, I firmly believe wouldn't wouldn't have the success it did if it wasn't for your belief in us from day one. So thank you. Now, hey, bud,
0: glad you're here, and we'll we'll keep talking. Okay.
1: Sounds good, Matt. You take care. Have a good
0: one. Jason Capper, everyone. Help him out. Vintage wings there in Beach City, baby. Stay tuned, of course, uh, for more great stuff here on Warbird Radio as we uh, get back into it. I've been going through the archives, and uh, I'll tell you what. It's just remarkable. uh, Some of the folks that we were able to talk to over the years and some of the shows, uh, uh, we're we're getting it back up and running. So not to worry. A lot of your favorite shows are going to come back. We have some new ones. Uh, that'll be coming along as well. But the most important thing you can do uh, is like and follow us on social media. Share these episodes so we can start building up the numbers. And uh, just stay tuned for more great stories here. These stories matter. The stories of our airmen, past and present. Talk to you real soon, right here on WarburgRadio.com. Reminding you that radio engines don't leak oil. They just marked their territory. This is Warbird Radio. Tune in. Take off.